Canada HR News on October 31, 2022. I am Elena Bobireva. In today's episode, we talk about good practices of celebrating Halloween in the workplace, provincial employment updates, research from UBC on men's mental health, and innovative benefit programs that may help retain workers. Stay with us to get the latest HR updates. Today is Halloween, and many companies celebrate this occasion. When done right, parties in the workplace can be uplifting and positive. However, without proper guidelines and communication, Halloween can become a nightmare. Costumes can cross the line by being sexual, mocking personal beliefs, or playing into inappropriate stereotypes. Here are some measures from the USA Today article that organizations can take to reduce the risk of ruining a fun day. First, managers should be sensitive to employees who might be offended by anything perceived as evil related to pagan or Christian beliefs, and this can trigger religious discrimination claims. Managers should also offer some scheduling flexibility for time off or remote work on the day, if possible. Parties, department decorations, or costume contests can be presented as voluntary and offer equal support to those who don't participate and those who do. Though costumes may require organizations to relax their dress code, the key principles should still apply. Directing employees to be covered from shoulders to knees should help many avoid a costume mistake. Emphasize that attire should not depict, denigrate, or ridicule any group. Provide examples, both positive and negative, to illustrate your point. Unfortunately, some employees may still show up in a costume that crosses the line, and it might help to require or recommend participants to bring a change of clothes. You may even want to keep some thrift store zip-up or button-up tops on hand, just in case. And if managers are uncertain about their team's ability to follow guidelines, weigh the risks and rewards of having a party in the workplace to make the best decision for your organization. We previously reported that about 55,000 education workers in Ontario, such as custodians, early childhood educators and administration staff, would be in a legal strike position as of November 3rd. The Canadian Union of Public Employees in Ontario, which represents the workers in the province, announced that it was given the required five days' notice to start a full strike on Friday, November the 4th. Ontario's Education Minister intends to introduce legislation on October 31st that would avert a looming support staff strike and impose a contract on them a proposition the union said it was prepared to fight. QP has been seeking annual salary increases of 11.7%, as well as overtime at twice the regular pay, 30 minutes of paid prep time per day for educational assistance and ECEs, and an increase in benefits and professional development for all workers. The government had been offering raises of 2% a year for workers making less than $40,000 and 1.5% for all others, and the New Deal proposed by the government would give 2.5% annual increases to workers making less than $43,000, and 1.5% for all others. The Toronto District School Board 
told parents that it was assessing the impact of a possible QP strike, but that maintaining a normal routine would be very difficult and families should be prepared for all possibilities. The government of British Columbia is launching a series of regional in-person roundtables to hear directly from gig workers about their jobs and working conditions and the unique challenges for app-based ride-hailing and delivery workers in British Columbia. The roundtables will focus on app-based gig workers and are part of a province-wide work strategy for workers whose jobs could be described as precarious. The government is reviewing this issue to ensure that appropriate standards are in place and could include proposing employment standards amendment for gig workers, as well as ensuring these employees are not incorrectly classified as independent contractors. The sessions will be scheduled in November in communities throughout the province. As they are confirmed, details of each roundtable will be posted online. In May 2020, Statistics Canada estimated about 1 in 10 Canadians in the workforce are gig workers. Currently, many app-based drivers are paid only for active time and may earn less than minimum wage for a shift. British Columbia is also taking steps to build safer workplaces for healthcare workers and patients by introducing a new security model across all health authorities, hiring more protection services employees, and expanding funding to Switch BC, a new organization focused on addressing workplace safety. About 320 in-house protection service officers and 14 violence prevention leads will be hired and will help create a safer environment for staff and patients. The province is providing health authorities with funding to establish a relational security model in 26 healthcare settings and hire staff to support it. The new model ensures all security personnel have an acute awareness of patients and their surroundings, as well as how to anticipate, de-escalate, and ultimately prevent aggression. All protection services personnel will receive training in workplace violence prevention, mental health, and advanced customer service. They will also receive trauma-informed practice training to acquire the necessary knowledge, skills, and language to be able to apply a trauma-informed lens to interactions with patients, families, clients, and colleagues. It is Skilled Trade and Technology Week in Saskatchewan from October 30th until November 5th. This week raises awareness of careers in the skilled trade and technology sectors. Skills Canada Saskatchewan will host a Skills for Success Forum on Thursday, November the 3rd. Educators, parents and skilled trade employers will gather to learn about and discuss the importance of skills for success. Skills such as adaptability, collaboration, creativity and innovation, numeracy, problem-solving will help people thrive in the workplace. Educators can participate in Skilled Trade and Technology Week by inviting apprentices, journey persons or other industry representatives to deliver presentations to students. A Robert Half survey of 900 senior managers in Canada reveals five key recruiter tactics 
that can be important for those launching a job search. First, what are the resume red flags? When evaluating candidates' resumes, top factors that give employers pause include frequent job hopping, 80%, insufficient skills for positions, 80%, and vague descriptions of past jobs, 79%. Referrals. Nearly 9 in 10 managers are more likely to hire a candidate with a referral from a current employee. Range of knowledge. 62% of team leaders prefer hiring specialists with deep subject matter expertise in a particular field or study over generalists with varied skills and knowledge across multiple areas. Remote compensation. Companies hiring workers who live outside their location are set in pay by employee location, 37%, company location, 36%, candidates experience only, location is irrelevant, 27%. Returnships. 65% of managers have rehired a former employee who left the company on good terms. The biggest benefits of returning employees are that they bring in-demand skills, knowledge and experience, have proven job performance and skill sets, and can quickly assimilate and begin contributing. Lots of attention has been placed on how poorly women have fared during the pandemic. Factors such as childcare and home-based responsibilities have exacerbated their already trying experiences. But for men, depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation have also run rampant, according to the new research from British Columbia. Men's Mental Health in the Workplace study was released by Heads Up Guys, a program within UBC. Of the 1,450 men who were surveyed between June 25, 2021 and February 28, 2022, they found almost half had scored above the threshold for probable major depression. One-third of respondents reported experiencing thoughts of suicide or self-injury at least a few times a week, and 55% reported feeling lonely. Workplaces can play an important role in shaping norms that reduce stigma when seeking help for mental health issues. Providing information on mental health supports available from the workplace or from provincial or federal resources will help normalize the discussion about mental well-being and support struggling employees. KPMG in Canada is offering an Indigenous wellness benefit as part of its Truth and Reconciliation Action Plan. The wellness benefit, which will be available in December, provides employees with access to an annual allowance that will reimburse expenses related to Indigenous healers and elders, traditional medicine, and Indigenous ceremony supplies. The firm has provided 114 scholarships to First Nations, Métis, and Inuit students since 2012 through its Indigenous Student Awards in an effort to reach Indigenous talent. The action plan is primarily about engaging, elevating, and listening to Indigenous employees. Canadian Dental Care Benefit gets go-ahead. The Dental Care Benefit Bill passed third reading last week in the House of Commons. It would give children with families who make less than $90,000 a year as much as $650 per child to care for their teeth. 
To qualify, families will need to apply through the Canada Revenue Agency and attest that they have booked a dental visit for their kids and that they don't have private insurance and that they will have out-of-pocket expenses for the appointment. Families will have to keep their receipts in case they're audited. This information is helpful for employers who are not providing dental coverage to their workers. And this was Canada HR News on October 31st, 2022. Please leave us a rating and a comment in Apple Podcast. You can also find us in Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on other platforms. For more information on the topics discussed today, see the episode description and connect with us on Twitter at CADHRNews or LinkedIn at Canada HR News Podcast. <laughs>